Today's show is sponsored by Legacy Box. Go to LegacyBox.com slash love and save 40% today. There's a weird mm. correlation yes, okay. there. There's a weird correlation there where our view of mm-hmm. consumption and our view of just sucking every resource dry mm-hmm. actually creates waste that then we then try to kick out. Mm-hmm. It's really, really fascinating. Hey guys, welcome to the Real Life Podcast, where we talk about exactly that every single week, real life, which means some episodes might be about a fight we just had, some episodes might be about potty training since we have two toddlers, and some might be about eschatological realism because I love thinking and talking about deep theological things, and maybe we'll talk about all three of those in one episode. But we hope the show feels like hanging out in our living room with us, drinking a cup of coffee as we discuss faith and family and culture and Jesus. Me and my lovely wife, Alyssa, are your hosts, and don't hesitate to hit us up or reach out on social media to say hi or comment on this week's episode. Enjoy. Hey guys, I'm Jeff. I'm Alyssa. And welcome back to the Real Life Podcast. We have a special episode for you today because this might be one of the weirdest ones we do, and this gives you a peek into my brain. This is going to be one of those episodes that this is what I think about and this is how I operate, and this is what I sit on the couch. And Alyssa can usually tell from the look on my face, like, she'll go, Jeff, what are you thinking about? And I'll usually say, oh, nothing, because I know she don't want none of this. <laughs> like, she doesn't want to hear about it. No, I do want to hear about it. It's just get ready to just be, be taken weird. out of your comfort zone, to have your mind blown. Well, I don't know if we're going to have our mind blown. I just I think weird thoughts. And I just want to see if anyone else thinks weird thoughts. These are not the thoughts I have. Let me just say. So where we're going to start, guys, <laughs> today is with plumbing. Modern plumbing plumbing, how it got industrialized, the sewer system, basically what happens when you poop and someone flushes. Now, that was a great start, right? Now, here's why. Because what we don't, what I want to I mean, talk, why, can you just answer why people will actually want to listen today? Because I think the, industrial, the industrialization of modern plumbing and sewage is a perfect and apt metaphor for a really bad part of our culture that's the thesis of this episode okay okay so and what and we're going to bounce all around i got lots of thoughts here but what i mean by this is something fundamentally and this is actually true with a lot of industrialization you guys i have a lot of this in my next book coming out uh in like nine or ten months um we've talked about a little bit on the podcast but industrialization was not inherently evil but industrialization inherently changed a bunch of things Mm -hmm. fundamentally changed how we do life fundamentally changed how we see the world now because of that there's some things that a lot of us a lot of us don't realize because this is just how it's always been done Mm -hmm. for our generation the generation yeah Yeah, generation above us so this is like all we know so we don't realize that life was different before totally and one of those ways Mm -hmm. is and i think why i think plumbing and sewage and industrialization of that while it brought sanity because it always brings good well it brought sanitation it brought health it brought less disease people don't die as long uh, die as early stuff like that it's amazing but there's always a dark side it's like two sides of a coin and i think one is the flip side of it's actually been a it's really good picture now of our value system in american culture as getting out of proportion out of whack and actually too emphasized of the value being we refuse to deal with waste in front. Like we don't want waste to be in front of us. Mm -hmm. We don't want, and now as a metaphor, I'm not just talking about the actual plumbing. We'll get back to that in a second. We 
one of the highest values that's actually hurting us in American culture, I believe, is we don't want to deal with hard things. We don't want to see ugly things. We don't want to see gross things. And we don't want them to be near us or in front of us. And so get them as far away as possible and never think about them. Which isn't that kind of like Hunger Games? Wasn't there a part in it that they like... Well, it's a very good way of like the district, the the, the yeah, headquarters yeah, yeah. and then the districts of like... It's very much like... Yeah, that that is our... But didn't ve- they put all the ugly stuff away somewhere where... I can't remember. Well, yeah, like the district was, everything was great. It was just America. It was like comfortable, yeah, totally. yeah. happy. Yeah, Hunger Games is such and an indictment on our culture. And all the icky culture. stuff was like where the outskirts was. Totally. I haven't read it in so long, but Which is pretty much sadly a lot of our major cities um, yeah. just fully realized, you know, in a uh, Armageddon type context. Now, back to plumbing. I think why plumbing is a really good example of this is because what we don't realize is when we industrialized plumbing and sewage... Um, now, of course, there, there's a different couple dates here, but I'm going back to maybe 1800s is when we really start seeing mass industrialization of sewage and plumbing. But you can go all the way back. Like we've had plumbing and kind of in its some form and sanitation thousands of years back to the Romans. So like I'm not – just hear me say that. But there was a level at which we industrialized it so much and tried to get so efficient with just taking away our mess, right, if that makes sense, that it actually had a dark side to it. And that has to do with even, and of course, it has to do with the society that got replaced by an industrial society, and that's an agricultural agricultural society. Society was predominantly agricultural before it got industrialized. 1700s, 1800s, there was about three industrial revolutions, they say. So it was kind of depending when we're talking. But that 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 transition was really interesting because before industrialization, when it was an agricultural society, most waste that people produced was actually seen as the first step to fertility, right? To life. Now that's, that's, what's really interesting of, and what I mean by that is like waste was part of the circle of life. Like we still do this in some way with like manure, right? Manure Mm -hmm. is like what we put on the flower beds. Yeah. But think about that was actually like, or like people, what do they do? Compost and compost. Yeah. yeah. And it is coming back in some sense, but yeah. Yeah. Like people's actual waste was actually put back into, it was an ecosystem. It was a circle of life. Mm -hmm. And now we actually have stopped the circle and just kind of taken off a branch of the circle and just made it go outwards, right? So we can kill the circle. Here's here's a better way to put it. This is a little heady what I'm about to read, but this is from Wendell Berry. And I want to just, I think this will get your guys' thoughts stirring on. He has a really brilliant passage that kind of talks about this. And so I'll jump around, but hopefully it'll be helpful. He says, He goes, there is another and more direct way. He's talking about the isolation of the body and how actually we've so isolated our bodies from anything that's from a lot of things that we need and from actually what the full humanness experience should be. And he says, but there's another more direct way in which the isolation of the body has serious agricultural effects. That is in our society's extreme oversimplification of the relationship between body and food by regarding it as merely a consumer of food, meaning we have now taken bodies as just consuming devices for food Mm -hmm. rather than things that actually can put back into the earth. Like bodies are meant to work the earth, Mm -hmm. to till the earth, to give fertility to the earth through our waste. I know it's really weird, (laughs) but it's true. So he says, by regarding bodies as merely consumers of food, we have reduced the function of the body now in an industrialized society to that of nothing more than a conduit which channels the nutrients of the earth from the supermarket to the sewer. So he, that's great. That's such a good, like, he basically just says, like, we are just mouths that now basically just conduit things from the grocery store to the sewer like we're just a we're just a middleman now between supermarket and mm. sewer when before bodies were actually part of the ecosystem 
of life. He goes, or we make it a little factory that transforms fertility into pollution. So now again, because we don't actually use our waste for fertility in life, it is now just pollution. So we kill the earth, um, which is really, really interesting which is that economic and technological interruption on the cycle of fertility. And he goes, much has already been said here about the division between body and its food in the productive phase of the cycle, but it is an alleged wonder of the modern world that so many people take energy from food in which they have invested no energy themselves. It's basically like back in the day, people actually put Mm -hmm. the energy into making the food and there was a circle of life. And now we just consume, 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 and we take the energy from food. Um, Let me jump around. And it's super interesting. If you think about it, he goes, as their bodies take in and use the nutrients of the soil, those nutrients are then transformed into what we are pleased to now call wastes, but they are actually duly wasted at the same time. This waste is also caused is also caused in way by the old religious division between body and soul by which the body and its products are judged offensive and gross, no matter what. Um, and kind of like, uh, you know, that, um, What's that phrase I'm looking for? But yeah, and he goes, once living with this offensiveness was considered a condemnation and that was bad enough, but now modern technology has saved us with the flush toilet and the waterborne sewage system. These devices deal with wastes of our bodies by simply removing them from our consideration. Basically, like the magic of it is just like, I never want to think about it again. But I never want to think about it again. I know. I don't. I'm not, I know. Just stick with me. It's a metaphor. It's okay, not metaphor. Okay. I'm not saying everyone hold on to your crap and put it into your, your garden. That's not what I'm saying. It's, okay. a, it's a metaphor that's really, really powerful, I think. The irony is that this technological purification of the body, we're like, like we're afraid of our own mess. We're afraid of our own grossness. Bodies are kind of gross. Yeah. But yet True. they're holy. They're mm-hmm. holy and sacred and gross at the same time. And I think mm-hmm. that's because we're from the dust of the earth. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we have a weird there's a weird underlying thing of us, of the grossness of the body that we actually kind of condemn ourselves and don't understand how it works. Hmm. The irony is that the technological purification of the body requires the pollution of the rivers and the starvation of the fields. So he says to kind of do what we want to do and get to a fully kind of realized, almost ghostly body where we never deal with our own ways. Then all we do is waste the rivers and the starvation of the fields. Hmm. But when you actually deal with your own waste, then it actually goes back into the ecosystem as fertility where rivers and things are actually full of life. What's up, guys? I want to take a quick break to tell you about one of this week's sponsors, and that is Legacy Box. We, You know we love them. We have talked about them before. And what's funny is actually this week while I'm recording this, Alyssa's grandparents, Kinsley and Cannon's great-grandparents, we're here in town, so it even got me thinking on this train even more. If you don't know what Legacy Box is, they're incredible. They're amazing. Basically, what they do is they save your family films and photos from degrading or being lost forever. If you're unable to play recordings because they don't, you don't have a VCR anymore or your camcorder is, camcorder is broken, they can help you with that. And you get to become the family hero by being, bringing back lost memories to watch and see. Again, it's super incredible, guys. It's super amazing. They essentially digitize all the things you want to keep in regards to your family memory and family legacy. So we absolutely love them, guys. They have over 450,000 families that have trusted them. They have over a decade of an experience. You can trust them with your stuff. And all the work is done by hand right here in the US. So it's very safe for those special memories. So here, they want to hook you guys up. So for a limited time, they're offering you guys an exclusive discount. So if you go to LegacyBox.com slash love, you can get 40% off your first order. Again, that's LegacyBox.com slash love and save 40% today and get started preserving your past. Okay, I'm getting what you're saying. So can you 
You keep talking for a sec. Well, I have nothing to say. Can you just tell me what you're getting at? Which says it makes the alleged offense. So if you're not saying that we, not telling, okay. Let me read one more, two more passages. Okay. It makes the alleged offensiveness of the body truly and inescapably offensive and blinds an entire society to the knowledge that these offensive wastes, in quotes, are actually readily purified in topsoil. That's a lot of people don't know. But waste, when you put it in topsoil, the topsoil actually is like a living organism that purifies it. Mm. Like from it's like from and sanitizes it, which is really crazy and interesting. Okay. Um, that indeed, from an ecological point of view, these are not wastes at all and are not offensive, but are valuable agricultural products essential both to the health of the land and to that of the consumers. Our system of agriculture, by modeling itself on economics rather than biology, thus removes food from the cycle of its own production and puts it into a finite linear process that in effect destroys it by transforming it into inherent waste. Like it actually, we fundamentally change how we see these things. And so it transforms food into fuel, a form of energy that is usable only once. And in doing so, it transforms the body into a consumptive machine that only destroys. Super interesting. Okay. Do you mind if we stop there? Because my brain is hurting. Okay, go ahead. Okay. And I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I feel like I'm pretty smart, but I'm my brain the, is hurting. I'm going to bring this back around in a second, but give me can your you, first thoughts. Can you bring I want it the back meta, around yeah, now? I want the metaphor to linger and people being, I want people to be thinking right now, what? What? That doesn't make any sense. That's okay, weird. This is where I struggle because I am, I don't remember what it's called, but I'm the type of learner where I'm like, just tell me what you're getting at and then you can tell me all the details. Where Jeff <laughs> is like, I'm going to tell you all the details and, and make you really it, yep. guess and then I'm going to, okay, so my brain is really hurting. Give me some thoughts though on that. It's like, what do you think I'm saying? What I think, okay, my key points from what you're saying is, it's true that I think, I do think that the body, there's some things in it that I like to not deal with mm-hmm. and that I think are gross. And as a mom, I deal with enough poop and, um, you know, our dog just threw up this morning. And so I do, that is convicting to realize we are made from dust and like to not be, that that's part of our humanness. Yeah. And so instead of like wanting to make that I mean, I still want to use the toilet and all that thing, totally. but just like to accept that, like this is part of how God has made us totally. and it's not disgusting. Yes. It's like this, there's reason for this. Yes. And our, and we taking ourselves out of the proper ecosystem then actually destroys the ecosystem and us. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying again, it's a metaphor in some sense, but here, like basically we have to deal with our waste. We have to deal with hard things. We have to deal with ugly things. We have to yeah. deal with bad things. And usually when we look straight at them, just like that purification ceremony that actually happens with waste, mm-hmm. it can be you, it gets purified by the topsoil. Meaning like it actually, if you actually look at the waste and run it through, a, and I'm talking metaphor, so mm-hmm. like hard things in life, okay. whatever, and run it through a purification system. Mm-hmm. Meaning like if you actually stare the waste in the face mm-hmm. and you don't actually try to just take the waste out of your life and make it never right. be seen again, right. then it actually becomes the topsoil that grows the food like it actually do you know what i mean like it, okay. keep it yeah. in the circle I like, okay i get so where you're going and, and and i'll end with this last paragraph because wendell berry then ends with talking about a really good metaphor of how this has actually killed our cities and it's no longer talking about plumbing but he says okay. this and then i'll talk about some of the stuff I'm I like strapping it on because <laughs> then i want to talk about some of the stuff heady. i want to say he says it is strange but only apparently so that the system of agriculture is institutionalized not in any form of rural life or culture but in what we call our urban civilization and what he's basically saying is like, this is how cities work. Mm-hmm. When you go out in the country, they actually have to deal with their waste more often from the chickens and from the cows and from this, like oh, cities right, just right. say, just put the trash on the curb and I never want to see it again, mm-hmm. ever. 
So it's like the way we do cities and urban civilization. He said the cities subsist in competition with the country and they live upon a one-way movement of energies out of the countryside, food, fuel, manufacturing materials, human labor, intelligence, and talent. So he says we actually, the cities actually just suck the country dry of all of their life. So now it's the metaphor for now the cities and country, Mm -hmm. meaning like, The city just sucks the country dry of everything it has of value. Give us your food. That's where the food's grown, right? Give us your fuel. That's where fossil fuels are are usually at. Give us your manufacturing materials. Mm -hmm. Like that's where we get trees to build and other things. That's where we get human labor. People move from the countryside to the city to work. That's where we get intelligence and talent. Very little of this, but it it kills the circle of life because it's a one-way linear street that just wants to waste people, not actually put people in the circle of life for fertility. Very little of this energy is then ever returned back to the countryside. Instead of gathering these energies up into coherence, a cultural consummation that would not only return to the countryside what it belongs to it, but also gives back generosities of learning, art, conviviality, and order, the modern city then dissipates and wastes everything it has taken. Along with its glittering consumer goods, the modern city produces an equally characteristic outpouring of garbage and pollution, just as it produces and or collects unemployed, unemployable, and otherwise, quote, wasted people. And he says that, you know, in the sense of like, that's, it's no coincidence that some of the um, people that our society doesn't want to deal with mm-hmm. that we should love as Jesus people collect in cities. Mm-hmm. There's a weird yes, correlation okay. there. There's a weird correlation there where our view of mm-hmm. consumption and our view of just sucking every resource dry mm-hmm. actually creates waste that then we then try to kick out. Mm-hmm. It's really, really fascinating. So that's the, the that's the precursor. We're halfway in. The precursor, um, holy cow. <laughs> but I really wanted to, I wanted to read that because I think plumbing, I think that metaphor, I think the city countryside thing, I think we, we have to deal with one of our highest ideals in the West is that we refuse to look at hard things in the face, wasteful things, ugly things in the face that we're also producing by our own behavior because it's an indictment on ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? Like the homelessness epidemic in many major American cities is an indictment on ourselves. Yeah, That's because of us, Mm -hmm. right? Um, The pollution and all that is that that's because of us. and he just uses the gardening and the, the 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 plumbing as a metaphor of like, yeah, you have to understand we are not consumption vehicles. We are meant to be put in the ecosystem of fertility and life, meaning put back in what you're taking out um, or at least stare the waste in its face and deal with it. And I think it has to do with even with religious stuff, with shame, with hurt, mm-hmm. with pain. Like you got to be able to, you can't run from it. Right. You can't just put it on the curb and hope that someone's going to pick mm-hmm. it up on Thursday and it'll never show up again. Right. You can't just keep pushing it aside or... And that's one of our highest ideals in culture. I think we go so fast and so hard and we don't leave room to grieve, to deal with the shame, to confess. We just want to forget about it. Totally. I just don't think how hypnotized we realize how hypnotized we are with like, this is actually one of the highest ideals driving American culture. Even the way we build houses, right? Houses are all about like it looking almost fake from the inside of like everything that actually makes the house work is hidden. Mm -hmm. Everything, right? Mm -hmm. Wires are ugly hide those behind the walls. Plugins are ugly. Hide those so that they look pretty. Like, you know, everything that actually helps the house is actually hidden. Now, aesthetically, it's like, whatever, that's fine. I'm just saying that's it's an interesting- safe for little kids. Totally, but I'm just saying, I think, again, it's, it's a metaphor or a picture of like, that is our mm-hmm. value system. Our value system is like, we don't want any ugliness in view. Mm-hmm. We don't want it in view because we don't want to have to deal with actually the things that are actually giving us something. Right. And another example, here's another example I think is really helpful. 
in his book Tribes by Sebastian, I think Younger or Junger, he's um he 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 draws some really interesting parallels between Israel and America with military service. So what's really interesting in that book is one of the chapters and he talks about because Israel has such a good tribal culture, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense of like just more of like a um, psychological, like they're, they're, they're one people, one, you know, eth- I mean, there's not one people, but you know what I mean? Like they're very tight knit with their culture, right. with their holidays, with how they do things more than America. And they're small countries, so they kind of have to be. And he goes, that actually is one of the sustaining powers of them in military service. And what he talks about is, take PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. PTSD is an epidemic in American culture. Right. It's an epidemic, right? Like people come back from war and it's it's an epidemic. It's mm-hmm. PTSD is, is it's, it's, we have no, we don't help them. We don't give them healthcare as much. We don't serve them. We don't reintegrate them into society as much. But nine times out of 10, if you were to ask people why they have PTSD or or how they got PTSD, or basically like if you were to try to trace the source of the problem, mm-hmm. you would say it's actually the war and the violence. You'd mm-hmm. say, yeah, the war gave them PTSD. Now that's true in some sense, right? Like war and violence, right. I think are so dehumanizing. And we can, that's a whole nother episode about the scriptures and what Jesus says about violence and war. Mm-hmm. Um, but then obviously there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of layers there and a lot of context there. Right. But no matter what you think, it's like, it's a hard, it's hard. It's very, very, it's very hard and dehumanizing um, system, war mm-hmm. and violence and stuff like that. But what's interesting is Israel fights just as much, if not more, mm-hmm. right? And and their wars, but here's what's, and, 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 and our PTSD numbers are like catastrophic. Like the percentages right. of people that come back from war and are d- damaged and hurt and mm-hmm. broken is high in our country. Right. Now, Israel has an enormously strong military as well, very similar they have under a 2% PTSD rate, meaning when people come back from serving in their military in active war, like we're talking like ISIS and Syria, and we're talking, you know, 30, 40 years ago, the six, seven day war and the Yom Kippur war, all these different, like they, they only 2% return with PTSD. So that right there shows what, it's not just the inherent war and violence that gives them, like basically makes them be able to come back and not be able to reenter into mm. society. Hey guys, I want to take another quick break to tell you about one of this week's sponsors, and that is Zola. You guys know they're one of our longest standing sponsors. We love Zola. They are the wedding company that'll do anything for love, they like to say, and they're reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience. They're the easiest way to plan for your wedding and your register. So you can join over 500,000 couples who use Zola, and they take the stress out of wedding planning with free wedding websites, your dream wedding registry, and affordable save the dates and invitations. Um, you can also start with a free wedding website and it's so easy. It takes just minutes. I think they have over a hundred beautiful designs and templates for websites. You can put your Zola registry on that wedding website. So guests can get all the details and they're amazing. And you can also register extremely easy and they have all the brands you love like Cuisine Art, Sonos and Airbnb. We love them guys. We wish they were around when we got married or at least that we knew about them when we got married. It would have been a huge time and life saver. So they want to hook you guys up. So to start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry, go to Zola.com slash Jeff and Alyssa. Again, that's Zola.com slash Jeff and Alyssa, Z-O-L-A.com slash Jeff and Alyssa. And you'll get $50 off your registry on Zola.com and you can start your free wedding website today. No, so the book has a really interesting thing, and he talks about because the ugliness, quote unquote, they're talking about, is in Israel, it's right in front of them, meaning the whole Mm. nation is at war. 
the whole nation is at war. You got to go get Lucy. Okay. So you got to go get Lucy, guys. She's crying. So the point there that's really fascinating is America is one of the only countries in the entire world where we don't fight our wars here. Like when someone goes to war with us here, it's just it, because of our uniqueness of our geography, we don't fight any war here on our turf where someone crosses the border and there's a war. All, all wars are fought kind of far away. Kind of like that back to example with the trash of like, you just take it far away, disappear from us. And he goes, because of that, it then never enters into our common consciousness and view. And so we're not able to process or deal with it healthily because the nation isn't at war. It's just like, oh, those guys over there, the people in the military. And so that's a really interesting concept that it's not inherently the war on violence that brings post-traumatic stress on individuals. It's actually the lack of ability of collective tribalism and re-entry for those soldiers and the nation kind of going to the war collectively because Israel fights their wars on their turf. Their border is five seconds away, you know, from where the soldier lives with his family and his parents. And so it's collective, it's more tribal, and on top of that, they have, because of that, they have really good re-entry. They have really good re-entry, meaning like soldiers are pulled back into normal society well because of the collective ethos that everyone understands about war and violence. And again, I think that's an interesting thing. Like it, it's sad, but you see from, I think, what was it the Korean War or no, Vietnam War, how much our society treated soldiers as that wastefulness again of like discard them and they're, we don't want anything to do with them and you know, and shamed them and, and all those things that really brought some severe trauma and things in, in that society. And so I think that's the thing we're trying, I know this is really random guys, and that's what I'm really trying to, uh, 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 but it's just something I've been processing as man, do we have a problem or do we understand that we are one of our inherent biases as a culture and as a society is this idea of just get it out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to deal with it. Everything, plumbing, military, trash, compost, our food, our spirituality, our shame. When in reality, the military example, all the way down to the agricultural example, when you actually deal with it face to face and let it basically live where you live, you let it be where you're at, then you actually it totally fundamentally changes the actual ecosystem of life and actually totally actually it gets purified like that topsoil and then actually then becomes a tool for the next generation of life or food or crops. So yeah. Any thoughts there? You weren't ready for this one. Were you, you weren't ready Sorry. for this episode. Were you? Well, these are the conversations sometimes that we have and I'm like, <laughs> okay. And your point was, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> oh thanks babe i appreciate it i don't um, say that i just meant it's so heady and uncomfortable yeah can i say that yeah it feels uncomfortable well and here's and i get it spiritually i'm like oh yeah we need to like grieve we need to deal with the shame we need to confess i just think let to, it but then on a practical level of other things well, yeah just think ask yourself in your life with with the lord with things in your past with things in your heart like until it can be re it can't be recapitulated or renewed or restored until it's actually like lives with you. That's kind yeah. of the metaphor of like, it has to be right next to you and you have to deal with it. Okay, you cannot just that. put it on the curb and say, take it Thursday, right. okay. put it in the landfill. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work like that. Nothing yeah. can be buried. Cause then it all, and then it also fundamentally changes us to consumers and consumption vehicles, mm -hmm. which I love that from supermarket to sewer. We're basically just the middleman. 
when 200 years ago, we were just part of the process of actually, you know, eating and then fueling and then refueling the crops through the topsoil, um, through our work, through our hands, but also through our waste. Um, okay, so then this is my other question because, you know, God says, like, he's building a city. Like, yeah. we, we're not necessarily supposed to stay a garden. We're supposed to become a city. And so the city is not inherently evil. It's good. Like, that's where culture is made. That's where... So then how do we become a city that's holy, that's, like, yeah. giving good back to... You know, because I totally. just feel like what you were talking about, what you read, it's like, we can come away thinking, oh, this city's totally well, no, bad, I think, I think and we should be on a farm. Yeah, no, 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 no. I think he said how to do it good. Yeah. He said you have to... It has to... Um, he goes, make the country and the city not compete with each other, but actually both of them live in their giftings in, in goodness. And here's what he said. Basically, return the energy from the city to the countryside. And the way, the way, the way he said it was, um, instead of gathering those energies up and consuming them, meaning like just mm -hmm. taking from the right. countryside, he goes, instead, it should be a cultural consummation, which that's just the big word for like marriage and unification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the countryside and the city should be married. And that would not only return to the countryside what belongs to it, but also gives back generously with its learning, its art, its order, and and all those other things. So like city creates culture, city city creates art, right, city creates right. beauty, city creates goodness. And it's saying take the resources from that and then give the countryside back, mm -hmm. right? Rather than, you know. Or give those resources to the countryside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Rather than obviously we know now, you know, every single little small business closing down every single year because the city just keeps sucking it dry or when a Walmart right, shows up right. and every business mm -hmm. shuts down, like that is that like sapping dry kind of like evil, you know, um, view of it. And and let's let's end with this. Guys, I know this was a lot. Um, well, just how does it affect us? Well, I think let's today. talk about the good side of waste or the okay. other side of waste. There's another view of waste that I think is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's the story of Jesus and the woman who breaks the perfume at his feet. Mm -hmm. Right? I don't, remember, I don't remember what chapter. Mary. Or, or where that... Was it Mary? Yeah. That actually did it? Okay. I think there's two Marys. Okay. So, um, but if you know the story, basically... Um, she comes and just in like repentance and grief and love and, you know, just like awe, humility, humility goes under the table and washes Jesus' feet or kind of adorns him with oil um, or perfume over his feet. Now, it's clear from the story that, that in that culture, that was about a year's worth of wages mm -hmm. for that, whatever she, whatever oil or perfume that was or fragrance, it was about a year's worth of wages. Now, that's incredibly wasteful. Right. It's like, and especially problems someone who probably didn't have that money, mm -hmm. someone who's being shamed by the people sitting up at the table above her, the religious leaders. Um, and then that's when Jesus says to those who have been forgiven much, or what, how does he say it? Then I should have my Bible right here, but it's a good story. Google it. I think there's but, two Marys. No, yeah. But everyone, if you know the story, it's, yeah, it basically, he basically honors the woman and says, yes, this, she is basically acting in accordance with what she realized how good the gift of the gospel is. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And, and and she's not stingy with her response back to me is what Jesus is saying, mm -hmm. right? She was lavish or in a good way, she was wasteful. Mm -hmm. And Watchman Nee, who's an author from kind of, he's dead now as church leader in China, underground church of China, I think early 1900s, mid 1900s. He has a really good kind of chapter in one of his books on this story. And he actually talks about like that, that like we should be wasteful on Jesus. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are actually stingy on Jesus, yeah. right? Like 
We waste all these other things. We do all these other things in waste that are actually bad and actually hurt us and dehumanize us. But then when it comes to Jesus, we're like, oh, we'll give you, we're so stingy. We'll give you two minutes. We'll give you two dollars. We'll give you two seconds of our life. We'll give you just a slice of our pie. We won't let you in. He goes, actually, no, no, that, that perfume or that fragrance or that oil that was spilled and broken on Jesus, that should actually be your life. Mm -hmm. You should break yourself on Jesus in a fragrant offering that's wasteful, meaning you should be, you're going to make dumb decisions according to your friends. Well, you know that because that's wasteful. People are going to say, oh, you're wasting your life mm. following Jesus. Yeah. You're, you're, that's, you know, and that's that class, the classic example of that, that people know is the, like the parent that says, you know, why would you, you know, you should build, go to law school or be a doctor. Why are you doing X for Jesus? Right. right. Um, and maybe he does want you to be a doctor or a lawyer, but that's just the classic example of like, you're wasting your life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually the good waste of, mm-hmm. because it re-enters back into that ecosystem again of holiness and of relationship with the Lord, where then you're giving him your energies. And I think, uh, yeah. so I just think that's a really that's a flip side to the coin of when we're talking about wastefulness of there is one aspect of wastefulness that's really holy. And I think it's your life being wasted for lack of a better term on Jesus. Yeah. Meaning just like, just waste it on him. Just give it I to him. It doesn't, how it looks, doesn't matter what the re what you're going right. to get back for it, what the return on the investment is. It's the, the numbers are not going to add up right, the, right. with the, with the year's wages versus what, it, what it happens. So yeah, go ahead. Even just on a super small level, I think um, in a day and age where, People are telling us that we have to produce, we have to perform, you have to go for it, mm-hmm. work really hard. You know, I think just with our phones and social media, we don't really have fringe hours anymore. Yeah. To we just fill up all of our time. That's, yeah, that's um, just to, to waste efficient. to waste our time, like to put away our phone, to spend fifteen minutes just being quiet or not doing anything, or just sitting and being still, or going for a walk, or praying. I think in our culture, that could seem like a waste. Like you could be doing something better right now. You could be catching up with someone, you know, doing a FaceTime. Yeah, Yeah, like grinding, writing out a book or whatever it is, studying. But just to actually spend time to just be still and hear from the Lord, I feel like our culture would say that's a waste instead of saying, no, that's that's health for my soul. Mm, That's good. Guys, we're going to end on that because that is perfect of like, yeah, waste your days on Jesus where it actually feels like maybe you're wasting your time in a quote unquote way mm-hmm. where you're not being, it, it's the antithesis to efficient. Yeah. And I think we want Jesus, following Jesus to be efficient. We want it to work like a well-oiled machine when it's not a well-oiled machine. It's a, it's it's a, a, year's, it's a year's worth of wage that you break over his feet that is mm-hmm. deeply wasteful yeah. um, in humility, in grace. And then Jesus mm-hmm. honors that back. The same thing that the woman yeah. heard in honor from Jesus, from the very lips of our rabbi, Lord Jesus, he says that over you when you waste, quote unquote, your life on him. Mm-hmm. So guys, this was started as the most random, weird episode ever. <laughs> and that was just a tease of like, you can totally tweet me and say, Jeff, don't don't share, don't don't go that deep in your head, bro. Like if that's in your thoughts, just keep it to yourself. You can tell me that and we won't, we won't, we won't have episodes like this again. But uh, that is what I randomly think about is plumbing to agriculture, to trash, to this. Um... But I think it was a good episode, and I think we ended it well. Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, no, that's it. All right, we love you guys. Have a good rest of the day. Let us know on social media what you thought. All right, take care. Bye.